Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. Here you'll learn about how to grow your home building, remodeling, or contracting business. If you're not growing, you're moving backward. So we want you to always be in growth mode. This podcast has really turned into a movement and community of people who want to grow personally and professionally. Here we bring you some of the best marketing, sales, and business minds in the industry so you can elevate your business. All right, let's dive into the show. Welcome back to Builder Funnel Radio. Today, I sit down with Kevin Stevens. Kevin started programming on an Apple II Plus at the age of four, which established his love of technology. After earning his degree in computer science at the University of California, San Diego, Kevin spent time as a software engineer at Apple before joining Google in its early days. There, he worked on a variety of products and helped build Google's presence internationally. He later co-founded and led Blink, the first consumer ephemeral text messaging app, which was required by Yahoo. Kevin subsequently led product teams at GoToMeeting and Thumbtack before joining Canvas as CEO. Kevin also serves as an angel investor and advisor to multiple early stage startups. He lives in the Bay Area with his wife and two daughters. Now for my conversation with Kevin Stevens. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Spencer. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for today. And I thought I'd just have you kick things off with, how'd you get into the tech world? How did it all start? Yeah, so it started pretty early on for me. I, I learned to program on a computer when I was about four years old. Wow. Uh, I learned to program on an Apple II Plus, which was this, you know, this really great machine that, that was very different than today's, of course. And just self-taught myself. As I got older, I started learning about you know entrepreneurs in tech like Steve Wozniak and Steve Jobs and so on, and and was pretty inspired by their stories and and their love of tech as well. I kept just learning more and more about technology, whether it's through actual doing work like programming or just playing video games, which was a big part of, of me growing up as well. I went to college and I studied computer science and continued to love building technology. What I discovered in college was I didn't really enjoy programming as much. I knew how to do it, you know, I could do it pretty well. But what I really liked was, you know, more figuring out the the why of why you should build something. You know, solving a problem for somebody with technology and learning about, you know, their needs and and just building something that might do something for somebody. And that's how I got into product management. That's basically what what product management is as you you understand a customer or a user. You figure out what their problems are, what their needs are, and you build technology for them. And you're not necessarily writing the code, although a lot of PMs do know how to code. And as I, I built a company on my own, I, I wrote a lot of the code for that company myself. But it's just really envisioning what's a what's a product going to be that solves solves technology. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I want to go back to the four year old because I have a four year old right now, and I don't <laughs> I don't see the connection between just learning, teaching yourself how to program or code. So maybe just provide some context there. I'm curious, how did you go about that? Do you have any recollection of it, you know, at that age in terms of, yeah, what that learning looked like and everything? Yeah, I sure do. So way back in the day, this is the late 1970s, my dad had a computer called a, a TRS-80. It was actually nicknamed the Trash-80. And the we didn't even have really floppy disks back then. The You know, we actually used cassette tapes for storage. And he, he wrote this program for me called the Big K, obviously after the first letter of my name. And then he helped me learn basic, which was just this really simple programming language, you know, with instructions, you know, go to this line, print this thing, say this thing, and so on. So programming was 
was easier back then, although it was harder as well. Today, you know, you can use all sorts of visual coding environments. My kids today can just drag tiles from one part to another, and it tells the computer what to do. Or in many cases, it tells the robot because robots are cool and, you know, kids love robots and what's not to love about programming a robot. So whereas I had to write instructions, you know, for for things, what to, what to do on the screen uh, and learn logo as well, which was a really popular programming language, especially used in elementary schools back then, you had a little turtle that was on the screen and you would tell the turtle, go forward, you know, turn left, go forward and so on. Eventually I connected that those programs to an actual real live robot turtle that that plugged in didn't have USB or Wi-Fi back then. So we plugged that into the computer and and that was kind of how I was able to match, you know, instructions that I would write on the computer to a real world event that was happening. But it was it was interesting because, you know, computers were less accessible back then than they are now. These days everybody has a much more powerful computer than I had back then. They have that now in their pocket. And Robots, you can buy a robot, you know, off, you know, many places for a hundred bucks, even less. And it's, it's, I think it's easier to get, get into programming and get excited about it. Although there's aspects of it that are harder because there's, there's so many aspects of, of coding and, and programming today that, that didn't exist back in the, in the late seventies and early eighties when I was learning. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. It sounds like it was a little bit in in the family, but then yeah, just building blocks, right? You learn the basics and then you just keep stacking on top of that. You said later on, you kind of discovered that you liked more the the intersection of like uncovering the problem and seeing how you could build something. I know you spent some time with Google and Apple. I'm curious just if you had any takeaways either from things you learned there or just the environment. Yeah. Anything there? Yeah, absolutely. You know, both just phenomenally great companies in in their approach to solving problems and building technology to solve those problems. You know, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of it comes from the environment that they created. They're both very much entrepreneurial environments. They believe in, you know, hiring people that are that are excited to to build something and exciting to excited to build something for their customer. But they're they're kind of different in how they approach the actual execution. You know, one of the things that Apple did and has has done for years and years, not since the beginning, but especially since, you know, since Steve Jobs came back to the company in, in 1997, 96, 97, they, they sweat the details a lot. Details, especially in design, matter so much to them. When you open a box with an Apple product inside, the, the mere presentation of that item just looks amazing. It's just, it reminds you that you're, you're getting a high quality product. And lots of other companies have followed this. You know, it used to be that consumer electronics devices, they were shipped in corrugated cardboard boxes that, you know, mm-hmm. you open it up and it's wrapped in this plastic wrap and it's, you know, and it's ugly. And it's, you know, because that was it, the packaging, you know, saved money and so on. And, and people didn't think about that presentation and the customer's very first impression of what they were getting. So what Apple does is they, you know, they just made it so from the minute you open that item, you're you're blown away by by how amazing it looks. Steve Jobs used to use the word gorgeous all the time. And the customers are just really excited. You know, Google is interesting in that Google cares about design too. But what Google felt was the most important thing, or at least one of the most important things, was was the culture with which they approached building technology and solving problems and doing things for customers. One of Google's main tenets was, you know, focus on the user and everything else will follow. You know, avoid avoid distractions. You know, I worked there in the in the run up to the IPO, and and obviously it's something that had the potential to distract a lot of people, but it didn't because 
Google believed, you know, if you minimize those detractions and you just focus on what you're doing for the customer or the user, everything else good will, will follow from that. So part of that, you know, I was one of the first people in, in many of Google's offices abroad. You know, uh, at the time, uh, I don't remember how many they had, but I think it was, it was less than 20 at the time. And over the course of my time there, I, I visited over 30 countries. I, I did business or worked in about 15 of them. And Google had this really strong workplace culture, this, this entrepreneurial vibe, this, you know, energy about, you know, what they were trying to do for customers and the user and, and making people's lives better and so on. And they wanted to make sure that as they opened new offices around the world, they seeded that culture that was built up in, in Mountain View where Google's headquarters is. So what they would do is, you know, as they opened a new office, they would send a handful of people, no more than five, sometimes as you know, one or two, from the main office to seed the culture in that new office. And what you got were offices around the world that had their own local identity that you, you knew when you were in Google Australia or Google Brazil or, or Google London, but had the overall predominant Google culture that was that was you know core to to making to making an exciting place to work and an innovative entrepreneurial place to work. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It kind of sounds like maybe almost like uh, kids where there's some shared DNA, but there's obviously uniqueness and and everything about it. Um, yeah, absolutely, it's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, and then and then you also mentioned mentioned with the company that you started, you wrote a lot of the code. I'm curious, what was that transition like? What was the company? Maybe just share a little bit about that. Yeah, so the company I started was called Blink. Blink was, we started it in, started the company in 2011. And it was Snapchat for texting before mm-hmm. Snapchat had that capability, before, before, before ephemeral messaging was really a, a concept um, that consumers had. You know, Blink wasn't our first product. We built, a, built another product that was a location-based product, you know, that, that allowed you to find your friends wherever they were and so on, back when location technology was, was pretty new and nascent. How we got to Blink was... This conversation that we're having right now is is recorded. Your listeners can hear it anytime they want. But most of the conversations that we have are ephemeral in nature. When you meet somebody on the street, it's ephemeral in nature. And you have this level of, of honesty and no filter and being who you are. And we realize that as you go to a mobile device and start texting somebody, you lose that spontaneity and that honesty and that ephemerality. And why is it that when we go to a mobile device, we suddenly have to have our guard up and have our filters up and so on? And we wanted to make that spontaneity something that, that you could have on, uh, when you're texting on a, on a mobile device. So, so we created Blink. I, I wrote a lot of the code for the very first product. By the time we got to Blink, it was, it was a pivot. You know, the, the first product wasn't, wasn't remarkably successful. So we ended up shutting it down and starting Blink instead, but, but wrote a lot of code for the first product when it was just my, my co-founder and myself. By the time we got to Blink, we already had a team. And we launched Blink pretty quickly. It came about and it, it sort of took off overnight. It, it didn't hurt that at the same time, the Ed Snowden story you know, broke around that same time and people were, were more aware of what they were saying and you know, the fact that like, let's, you know, let's have that honesty and spontaneity and make it so that what we're saying online actually stays between us and isn't on the permanent record and things like that. But yeah, Blink was, it was exciting to be a part of that. There were a number of other companies that were, that were building something pretty similar around the time. We ended up being acquired by, by Yahoo uh, shortly after, after we started it. Gotcha. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I'm sure we could do a whole whole podcast on that, but I want to keep us moving too. I guess you're at Canvas now. What what was the transition like there? And then what are you guys up to? Yeah. 
So I got to Canvas. I was I was taking some time off when Canvas reached out to me. I was, you know, I was happily skiing with my kids every day and and wasn't in a hurry to go back to work. It was it was during, you know, during the height of the pandemic, you know, when the, the kids couldn't be in school and we were, you know, everybody was remote and things like that. And I I just happened to be, I had already taken some time off before the pandemic. And then as we got into the pandemic, that just ended up being longer because you know, my my wife was working. Somebody had to entertain the kids all day long, and I said, "I'll just take them skiing all the time." So Perfect. I was having having a yeah. It really was. It was it was honestly as challenging and difficult as the pandemic was for so many people. Especially, I'm sure your audience was was tremendously impacted by it. It was a it was a great silver lining for me. I just I really got some great family time. Well, Canvas approached me around around that time period. And they were looking for a CEO and I tried the technology out and was just blown away. The first time I did a scan, the first time I got measurements back and compared it to the actual measurements, you know, I I just found the technology really exciting as I got to meet the people and understand the power of the technology, including, you know, what, what the company is doing with computer vision and AI and so on. For me, it was just the moment I saw it. I said, "Yeah, this is this is what I want to do next." And and we ended up, you know, finding a finding a great fit. But I said, you know, this is definitely a company I wanted to be a part of. That's cool. So I guess if you just had to describe what you guys do in thirty seconds, how would you do that? And then, what are the biggest like problems you guys really are solving today? So Canvas allows remodelers, architects, contractors, and designers to take a three D scan of a house and generate an as-built with just about a 20-minute scan. What used to take people hours upon hours and thousands of measurements, we can capture all the measurements of a house in about a 20-minute scan and give you an as-built within a very short time period after that. So rather than crawling around on your hands and knees while the customer is there watching you and looking over your shoulder and so on, you take 20 minutes to scan, they see you using this modern technology, and you get the Asbelt back in a format that you're used to working in. SketchUp, Revit, Chief Architect 2020. We also have another custom report called the Canvas Measurement Report. But all the measurements of that house or that space, you know, you don't have to scan the whole house. You can scan just a kitchen or just a bathroom as well. But all the measurements of that space, we give you all those just based on a, a 20-minute uh, scan with just your iPhone, iPhone or an iPad. It's as easy as taking a video of a house and doesn't require a lot of, you know, manual intervention and so on. In terms of biggest problems we're trying to solve right now, you know, the, the, the biggest problem overall, the reason that we the reason that we've been doing this for so long is we want to help customers focus on the parts of their job that add value and are the most enjoyable. Nobody, to my knowledge, nobody went into remodeling because they they enjoy measuring. You know, nobody said, oh, I want to I want to measure houses. That's why I want to I want to remodel houses and be a contractor, be an architect, and so on. You know, it's a means to an end. Mm-hmm. And it's not typically measuring is not somewhere where remodelers can typically differentiate themselves. Canvas is cutting-edge technology. It uses computer vision, it uses LIDAR, and itself is a differentiator when you walk into a house and you say, hey, here's how I'm going to measure your house. I'm not going to use a tape measure or an LDM. I'm going to use this iPhone or this iPad. And it lets you focus on other aspects of your business that make you stand out, like you know, connecting with the customer and telling them what you're going to do for them and working on the design with them and so on. So to do that, big problems that we're working on solving. One is, one is accuracy. With LiDAR devices, which come on you know, iPhone Pro and iPad Pro and so on, with LiDAR devices and proper scanning technique, we can get an accuracy of about an inch or better in a typical 10 by 10 room. As technology advances, we'll be able to get even better than that. 
we're definitely not one sixteenth of an inch accuracy, even one eighth of an inch accuracy. That's really tough to do, and and that's something that you won't generally find on a mobile device these days. We, I think we can get there eventually as technology improves. So getting that accuracy better and better is the first big, big challenge that we have. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you've been enjoying this episode, I'd really appreciate a rating and a review. It definitely makes my day to hear from you individually and it helps us spread the word. All right, now back to the show. Number two is the perception of accuracy. You know, our accuracy is only as good as the customer scanning technique. You know, when you start, you know, there's there's ways of using a table saw that are going to give you nice clean cuts and ways of using a table saw that are going to give you really, you know, bad cuts and things like that. Same is true for any tool. Our accuracy is only as good as the the customer scanning technique. So, while scanning itself is relatively easy, it's it's just as easy as taking a video. People are going to get more accurate as builds and and measurement reports by using that proper technique. So, in addition to continuing to work on you know, algorithms and technology and so on. We've started teaching customers the best scanning techniques. We've started working with them one-on-one to show them how to do that so that they they get that that good result. Last is making sure that we're, you know, we're turning around the end result in a in a time period that works for the customer. We're pretty quick right now. For an average home, we can get the the result back in about um, about a day or two. You know, there's there's other apps out there that will give you an, an instant scan, but the accuracy is not quite there. Mm-hmm. I wanna I wanna give both the best accuracy in the shortest amount of time. For most of our customers, you know, they, they don't care about one or two days. That's usually not a big deal. But as as we help people win more and more business, you know, you know, time is of the essence to to selling the customer and, and closing that business. So so we wanna be the the most accurate while also moving quickly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And and hearing you go through those, I'm sure there's many benefits. The two big ones that stood out to me were one, kind of the sales process, like professionalism. Hey, we've got this technology, speed. And then on the speed side, like time savings, I'm sure it's just a huge benefit. What are you hearing from customers in terms of where they get the most excited? Is it in one of those buckets or is it something totally different? I think the biggest value that we bring the customer is saving them lots of time. It's the quality of the time we're saving them too. You know, we're we're making it so that when they tell the customer, "Hey, I've got to come over and measure your house," and it might take me five or eight hours, you know, we're able to do that in twenty minutes. They can do that scan, and the customer can be behind them the entire time too. They don't have to be sitting there with the tape measure and saying, "Hang on, I got to remember this number. I got to write it down in my notebook, you know, or in my laptop or whatever." You know, they're just they're just moving the 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 iPad or the iPhone back and forth. They can talk to the customer. They can connect with the customer. Customers usually saying, "Oh, this looks really cool. What is that? How is that working?" They can see, you know, the lines appearing on the screen, the point cloud, and things like that as we're as we're generating it. You know, so they're they're not just they're not just saving themselves time, but they're saving themselves quality time with the customer and able to talk to them, and they're differentiating themselves as somebody that is you know that is on the on the cusp of of using you know great great technology. You know, I think. I think those are probably the main the main ways that customers are using us. There's definitely you know different aspects of do you want a Revit model or a SketchUp model or a Chief Architect model versus do you want to use Canvas's measurement report? And that's just really dependent on like what are you actually trying to do? Do you want a 3D model or do you want a 2D model that's just a list of measurements and things like that? But the main the main savings is just when you're in front of the customer, you want to be winning them over. You want to be building that relationship with them, and you want to be talking to them and 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 
frankly, I, I don't think most customers, you know, are excited about, you know, hey, there, there's somebody crawling around my, my kitchen and, you know, <laughs> taking measurements. I mean, I think there's there's value in, in, in the professionalism it, it brings as well. Yeah, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. What's on like the the horizon in terms of like product roadmap? I'm sure there's some stuff you can't talk about and some stuff hopefully you can, you know, provide a little bit of insight, but you mentioned trying to get like accuracy even tighter, but are there other things that are yeah, things you're excited about? Stuff that isn't isn't launched yet. Yeah, super excited about Number one, we are building Canvas is not just an app that you can download and use, it's a platform. So we're building an SDK, which is a software development kit that will allow us to partner with companies that are going to make it even easier for our customers to win more business and serve their clients, you know, more more efficiently. You know, we've just we just launched one of our first partnerships. Unfortunately, I can't can't say the name of it just yet, but just launched that partnership. It's with a pretty exciting company, and we're always building more and more partnerships. The reason being is that you know you can download Canvas and you can get value out of it, but we want to make sure that we're constantly plugging into the different workflows that you already have for you as our customer to get value. You know, you don't want to have to think of all these tools you have to use. You want to have, you know, as few tools as possible to remember. And if Canvas can be a part of all those tools, that makes it a lot better. And, and the way to get there is through building an SDK or a platform. So we've launched that super excited about, about finding more partners for that and seeing that that develop. Second is we don't have robust cloud sync right now. If you use Canvas on one device and then you lose that device or you get rid of that device and you forget to copy things over, you might you might lose that that data. There's ways of mitigating that. Once you already have the output, you're not going to, you know, you don't really need the scan for it. But we get requests from customers all the time to make it so that they're everything that they're they're scanning and doing is just always in their Canvas account and that it, you know, lasts forever and they can go back to that house they worked on a year or two ago and see what they did there. So that's something we'll be we doing eventually. Third is you know, we're only on, on iPhone right now. And the reason is because that's where the LiDAR devices are most consistently found. LiDAR gives you more accuracy than just an ordinary camera. We can get a lot more accuracy from it. So that's why we focused on, on iPhone. It's not to, I mean, I used to work at Google. I, I love Android as well. It's a great, a great platform. And it's, you know, we're not, the reason we're not on Android is not because we, you know, we don't want to help Android users. It's because, you know, LiDAR is, is where the accuracy is and that's where we need to be. We do plan to support Android, you know, once we can be sure the accuracy is there. But, you know, in the meantime, we always tell customers like, hey, even if you don't have an iPhone, you know, the savings from Canvas, it's it's going to very quickly pay for an iPad Pro, which is uh, the cheapest one is, I think, like 800 bucks or something. So it's like you're you're sort of buying a tool and investing to save yourself more, more time and money. But despite that, like we still get customers saying, yeah, but I already got an Android. Can you make it work on Android? So mm-hmm. so we will we will support Android eventually, but we want to make sure the accuracy is there. And of course, like you mentioned, I mean, accuracy, we're just, we're always working on that. We're constantly making progress on it and improving it. Anybody that tried Canvas two years ago saw a very different level of accuracy than, than we have now. We have a lot of, you know, in addition to better algorithms and things like that, you know, we now, we allow people to submit reference measurements. You know, you, once you do a scan, you take a couple measurements, you send, you add that to the app, and then that helps us you know, hone in a lot better on what, you know, what that measurement was. And then we can extrapolate that to the rest of the of the house or the rest of the space being scanned. So we're always adding ways to make the product more accurate and and um, that work is never going to stop. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. All right. Let's talk AI because that's buzzing yeah. all over right now. Is there anything you guys are looking at with AI for what you're doing? And then part B of that is just, do you see any trends just in terms of AI impacting, you know, residential construction just on, on the whole? 
Yeah, great question. And and I mean, you could you could definitely do a whole show on on this for sure, <laughs> yeah. or, or a series <laughs> of shows. Yeah, I mean, AI, you know, AI is having its printing press moment, right? You know, AI has been around for for a long time. Yeah, but it's at this point now where it's now a lot more accessible. You know, Canvas has Canvas has been an AI company for years. We've you know, computer vision is one of the one one aspect of AI. But it's becoming more accessible and more progress is being made on it. And you have a lot more people using it. So that that feeds the amount of data that the company is building great AI products can use. So it's really exciting to think about, you know, not just where AI is and where AI is going, but how we as a company can use it and how you know our customers and other companies can use it and so on. So a couple of examples. We as a company, we've put every single team on the task of discovering how to include AI in their everyday work from our customer success team to our talent acquisition team to product and engineering and so on. We're completely rethinking, you know, how we're building the company and how we're approaching those problems with AI. You know, we can, we can help our customers better. We can help them faster. Imagine as people write in, write into us and we get, you know, we get a lot of requests for, for tech support and customer support and so on. And we've previously been been limited to a combination of, you know, there's there's frequently asked questions we get. So we can very quickly send an auto response and and that gives people a lot of information. Or when that's not the case, a human's got to engage and and you know um try to help help our customer. With AI, we kind of get the best of both worlds. We get an advantage in, in that we can solve a lot of problems that are more custom than what might be solved by a canned response but that maybe don't necessarily need a human intervention. So we can get to customers faster. We can help them faster. We can help them better. And we can still have a human behind it when technology fails, because technology is certainly not perfect. You know, And a human can dive in and say, hey, I see your problem is way more complicated than, than this pre-written FAQ that we have, way more complicated than our, our AI is able to solve. I'm here to help you. Let's get on the phone. Right now, we we do about you know ninety five percent of our customer support is over email. We don't you know, we don't have the bandwidth to talk to people as as much as I'd like to do that. We can change that. AI can help us change that. We can also you know we can design and build our product faster and better. We can you know it's a lot easier to generate things like mockups and wireframes with AI. We can write code faster. You know it, it's it's amazing. Like you can just type a sentence into an AI AI prompt and say, "Please give me a please give me some code that does this," and it'll spit out some code. You generally need a human to review it, but it's yeah. pretty good code. Or you can write code yourself and say, "Hey, you know AI model, you know ChatGPT or whoever, check this for me. Tell me tell me what what I'm missing. Where are the bugs? Find, you know find find how I can make this better. Suggest a way. Tell me what this code is doing for my user and suggest a way to make it even better for them. It's just it's very exciting what AI can do, and you know. None of this was quite so accessible just one year ago. And this is just what we're seeing in the last few months. It's mm-hmm. it's amazing to think of what war will be in two to five years. In terms of you know construction in general, and especially remodeling, I think there's a couple extensions of that. I mean, I think number one, it all goes back to, of course, serving customers, making sure that we're interacting with customers well. I think table stakes is... As somebody is out on a job site, it's really hard to answer customer emails quickly. And in that time, the customer might have moved on to somebody else, or you know, they're waiting. You know, I, I remodeled when I bought this house. I remodeled it. We tore the whole thing down and rebuilt it. And the first step was we were sort of lost in who do we work with. And we met a lot of contractors, we met a lot of architects, and we met a lot of you know designers. And ultimately. 
the ones that we were most able to meet with were the ones that got back to us quickly. And, you know, the ones that they weren't necessarily available right that day, you know, busy, busy contractors are in demand and so on, but it was just having that response and having, and knowing like, you know, somebody's paying attention. So that's a huge part of it. I think in terms of design, there's a lot of great, great applications of AI, you know, whereas before, you know, a human had to look at a, at a model of a potential design and say, all right, here's what it's going to look like with, you know, with this color wall or with the window here, you know, and a human's got to redesign all of those spaces. I think you can now, we'll reach a point very quickly where you can just give a prompt and say, show me 10 different window configurations, you know, show me all these different, you know, show me, take, take this floor plan from, you know, craftsman transitional, make it contemporary. Um, show me what it looked like this. So I think there's just a ton of applications ahead of us. And we have barely scratched the surface of, of what AI can do, not just for for people in the tech industry, but for people in in all industries, whether it's remodeling and construction or, or any other any other related industry, I, I think there's very exciting times ahead. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and uh, yeah, we'll probably look back in even just two years and go, "Whoa, like that's all we were doing." You know, it's it's the tech curve; it just keeps accelerating. So, to your point, yeah, we could probably do several several episodes on this. But I have a few more questions for you to wrap us up. But before we do that, if people want to learn more about Canvas, try the product, check it out. Like, what's the the best way to do that? Yeah. So, first of all, people are welcome to email me directly. My email address is Kevin at Canvas.io. Super easy. And and please please send me an email. I love it when customers email me. Tell me what you want to see in the product. Tell me what works for you. What doesn't work for you. What you want us to build next. If you don't think it's a product you'd use email me and tell me why. I, I will work on building something that will work for you. I want to, you know, we have great technology and I want to be able to address as many customer needs as possible. So people should email me. If you tried it a year ago and you had a bad experience, shoot me an email, tell me why, you know, we'll look into it, we'll fix it. Um, whatever it is, whether it's a good experience or bad experience, email me, kevin at canvas.io. Where to find the product? You can download it on the app store. It's Canvas LiDAR 3D Measurements. There, we also have a product for homeowners. It, trust me, it is for homeowners. It is not. It is not for you if you are a professional contractor, architect, remodeler. Use the one that's uh, Canvas LiDAR 3D measurements. Definitely get a LiDAR device. It's really worth it. But in addition to trying the product, sign up for a demo with our sales team. We'll, you know, it's 30 minutes, and we'll show you how to make Canvas work, and you show me and show you what you can get out of it. We'll also give you 100 bucks off your first order. Use the code BF23. For 100 bucks off your first order, but sit down with the sales team and they'll walk you through it. We are by no means any type of high pressure sales whatsoever. If, if the product will work for you, great. If it doesn't, shoot me an email and we'll figure out what to do about it. But love getting customer feedback and and would love to see people, people trying it. Cool, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Kevin, this part of the show, we're going to wrap it up with uh, what we call the fast five. So I'll hit you with five rapid fire questions. Just say whatever comes to mind and uh, yeah, we'll we'll go from there. Favorite business book and why? Interesting that I actually, I actually listen to podcasts more than business books these days. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. Lenny's podcast. He's a former product manager at Airbnb. I knew him when I was there. Great guy. Tons of knowledge on product management. He's one of my favorite go-to sources these days. Cool. Cool. Fair enough. All right. We'll allow the cheat. So. <laughs> Who I won't cheat most? on the rest. Yeah. Fair enough. Who's the most inspirational person in your life? I got to go. I got to go with my daughters. They are five and seven, about to turn six and eight. They are amazingly good skiers. They've got this 
like I can do anything attitude. They've worked hard at skiing for two years. They fall down, they get right back up. You know, they like, they, they're both, they're both into softball as well. And they're like, I want to get really good at softball. They're just like, there's like, I want to tackle anything. It's always exciting to watch them. Like just, you know, put their heart into everything and, and never give up. I'm just, they, they're, yeah, they, they inspire me more than anybody else these days. That's awesome. That's cool. All right, Kevin, if you could have one superpower, what would that be? This one's easy. I'm going to go with the ability to stop time. Mm. I, I, yeah, I want, I would be able to get more. I want to be able to get more done faster, spend more time with my kids, may, maybe stop them from growing up so fast, probably be <laughs> something else as yeah. well. Yeah. I'd stop time. That's a good variant. I don't know that that one's come up. A lot of people say the ability to not need sleep for similar reasons, but that that one gives you some more options. So I like it. All right. So describe yourself in three words. Curious, analytical, and hyphenated words. Okay. Customer focused. Sure. It's, it's hyphenated. Customer focused. Fair enough. All right. Well, Kevin, wrap us up. If you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what do you want to leave us with? Yeah. For anybody building a business, I always tell them, you know, focus on the on the two things that that matter most. What matters most to a business is finding finding customers and giving them something they want. Anything else, delegate it either to humans or technology. You know, technology can certainly help with that delegation. Whether it's you know AI, you know, doing uh, answering, getting customers a quick uh, quick answer to get them into the process, or you know, balancing your checkbook or things like that or taking measurements and capturing existing conditions, but focus on getting the customer and focus on giving them something they want. Um, Most important thing for business to do. Yeah, great advice. Kevin, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for uh, for joining me today. Thank you so much, Spencer. Really appreciate the time and super excited to have been able to join you today. Hey, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Kevin. As always, let's pull out a couple of takeaways from the show. After reflecting on, on it for a day or so, I really feel like uh, my main takeaway was to aggressively continue to look for and adopt new technology. Obviously, what Canvas is doing is super cool, saves loads and loads of time, and also can be used kind of in that that sales process to impress customers. And I think, you know, as, as we look across the landscape, that's just one example of all the technology that is being integrated into every single area of the business. And so hearing Kevin talk about his experience with Apple and Google, and then even what they're up to thinking about AI at Canvas, really, as I was just thinking about, you know, all the changes we've seen in the last, you know, three, four years, and then, yeah, just the last six months of uh, buzz and chatter around AI, I think we can't we can't sit back with technology and it is important to always have our eyes up and be looking for those opportunities to gain those efficiencies, to gain those advantages in the marketplace. And so my takeaway today was really to go and look at an area of the business where you feel like needs improvement and do a little bit of research to see if there are one, two, three different technologies, software products, things that you could just research, test out and try. And I think if we are continually doing that on a regular basis, whether that's you know monthly, quarterly, a couple of times a year, even once a year, but if we have some sort of cadence 
where we're looking to test and try to integrate new technology, then we'll kind of look up, you know, three, four, five years later, and we'll have actually made real progress in, in integrating it into our business. So that was my big takeaway for today. And as always, we appreciate you listening to Builder Funnel Radio. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And as a quick reminder, text RADIO to 33777 for some free goodies as a thank you for listening to the show. And if you got some value from today's episode, I just ask that you leave us a quick review on iTunes. It really helps us spread the word and grow this awesome community of people who are working to improve their lives and their businesses. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Builder Funnel Radio.